The first time that uh, I came to New York was in high school, and I came with our show choir. Um, I, I was dancing around the city with glittered vest and show hand and jazz hands, right? That's what we did. Um, I don't think that we uh, had any competitions we were in. That wasn't, that wasn't the deal. I think our choir teacher just wanted to come to New York, and we did. And we just set up shop and like, did like street performances while we were here uh, the entire week. We did one right in front of the Statue of Liberty, and everybody was just shocked that we were dancing in front of them while they were standing in line. Um, but it, it was definitely a dream come true for me to come to New York. Um, and to, to see the big show, the lights, the, the, all, of the, all of what everybody talks about, to be a tourist uh, in the city. It was fun as I danced my way uh, around the city. Um, the second time that I came back to New York was 21 years ago, uh, a week after uh, 9-11. I will date myself a little bit here, but I was my first year in seminary, and um, a few of us got a van, and we drove from Louisville, Kentucky, uh, here to New York uh, to serve and to be um, a part of the Red Cross that was serving here under the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, we were there from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., uh, 12 hours making bacon and eggs uh, for all of the rescue workers that went into, went into Ground Zero. And um, like many people across the world, like many Americans and um, like maybe many of you, like when we experienced what 9-11 was uh, 21 years ago. It, it changed in a lot of ways the way that we saw the world. Um, it changed, changed the way that we saw the city for sure. Um, for me, it changed the way that I experienced and saw New York. Um, I, I got to know people, some of you um, that have been born and raised here in the city. I got to know people that called this place home, right? It wasn't just the, the show that you come and you experience all the, the touring around the city. Like it, it now was much more than that. This was home to people. And they are now struck with all kinds of grief and loss and, and sadness. I, I knew in that moment when I was here that week that God was going to, to bring me back um, to the city for something longer than just a, a mission trip week uh, serving under the Brooklyn Bridge. Um, I didn't know that would be coming back in 2009 and being here for 13 years and being a part of planting and launching a new church. But in a lot of ways, the world did change um, on that day. Um, we saw things differently. As we come into John chapter 13, uh, we see a somewhat of a shocking moment for the disciples. Jesus, he, he, the one that they followed, the one that they believed was Messiah, the one they believe, they put their hope in, right? Their trust in. The one is the king of kings, right? The one they're getting to know that, and they're trusting in him. And he is talking about the cross. In the midst of all of that, he takes on a lowly place, a house servant's role, and he washes feet. It is shocking to them to experience this moment where their Jesus would wash their feet. It changes the way that they see him. And hopefully, it changes the way that we see him as well. It changes the way that they see him and his mission, and hopefully that is the case for us too. Before we jump into it, I just want to say up front that what we've been talking about as we study through John's gospel is this unique relationship that the father has with the son. 
There's this unique relationship that happens within the Trinity that the Father has with the Son. And so then when we understand our relationship with the Son, it's supposed to be a similar relationship that the Son has with the Father. And I've said this before, and I think it's a helpful framework for us to see, is that the Father has a Son, and the Son has his church. And we are invited as the church his followers, into this special relationship that the Father has with the Son. We get to be a part of that. That's what John is getting at in his gospel. And one of the things that we see between the Father and the Son is that the Father, he sends the Son. He gives him a mission. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And your mission is going to be fulfilled in the cross. In the same way, If we are to be his church, we should understand what sentness is about. I love this quote um, that we see here on the screen for you from Albert Wynn in the book, A Sense of Mission. He says, if the sense of having been sent defines who Jesus is from henceforth, it must define what the church is. We often say that we are together on mission, and we say that because we believe we are part of Jesus' mission. We believe that we are sent, a sent people to be a part of his mission. If Jesus is sent, then we understand that we are then sent. And as we look at this shocking moment in the upper room that kind of leads off this farewell discourse, we know what Jesus is talking about because he explains it. But I want to give us a framework that he mentions that helps us see it even clearer This morning, I want us to look at verse 20. I think it's something that is important because John gives us a little clue that it is important. You see at the beginning of verse 20, he says, truly. When you see that, that's a sign. Listen up. (laughs) This is what you need to hear. Truly, I tell you. And this, let this be the framework for us today as we look at this moment where Jesus, he washes feet. He says, In verse 20, truly I tell you, whoever receives anyone I send receives me, and the one who receives me receives him who sent me. Whoever whoever receives me, whoever receives the one I send receives me. Understand that. That you're going, when you're going, you're representing me. When you're going, it's because I am sending you. And as people receive you, they are receiving me. If they're receiving me, then they're receiving the one who sent me, they're receiving God. So as you go and you live your sentness, it is about something bigger than just you. It's about Jesus. It's about people knowing Jesus and therefore knowing God. That's the mission. That's what this moment is about. Jesus is framing things for them. I want you to understand as you enter into the season of the church, what you've been called to. And so we have this shocking but, but beautiful moment here where Jesus, he, he washes feet. It begins, though, in verses 1 and 3, we see this idea of sentness even a little bit more. Chapter 13, verse 1 says, Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his, his hour had come to what? To depart from the world and to go to the Father. This is about him living out his mission. He's completing it in the cross And now he's done, and he's going to go to the Father. And then we skip down to verse 3. 
It says that Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God, and that he was going back to God. It is finished. He cries from the cross. He cries that from the cross because what his Father sent him to do is finished. And as it is finished, it now inaugurates the season of the church. His work is not done. His mission that he was sent for by the Father is done, but his work is not done. It's right here in this moment as we understand what foot washing is all about. In one sense, the the washing of feet, where Jesus washes his disciples' feet, is an invitation, an invitation to be united with Jesus and his mission. That's what we see Jesus doing here. This is shocking, though, to the disciples. They don't get it, so Jesus explains it within the same text. He wants them to understand that they need to be a part of him and what he is. This is about being united with Christ in his mission. You know, I think it's important for us to remember that we primarily are to make much about Jesus so that people know Jesus and can know God. I think it's important for us to remember that. There's a lot of good that we can do, and we do a lot of good. Let me just tell you, we, I just want to brag a little bit on, on what our church is about. Can I do that? And what our people are about. I mean, this past month, we had a whole month where, where we focused on cleaner and greener initiatives here in the neighborhood. Like, a whole month where we, we, we collected clothes that were donated, we cleaned up, we picked up trash in, in the neighborhood. We had like a panel up here uh, one night. We were invited the community in just to share about some ways that you personally can just get involved. These are people that don't go to our church, but just like community leaders. And, and so we just had a whole month dedicated to that. It was amazing just to serve and to do some good in our community. Every six weeks, we have something on this stage called Open Art Night, and some of you have performed in that. And part of that is just creating a safe place for people to come and to perform. And we serve a lot of theater people in that, right? The theater community, actors, and, 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 and all kinds of different expressions of, of art, right? It's a way for us to serve and to love people and to care for people. It's a lot of good stuff that we do. And we're coming, another one coming up that I know you're going to want to be a part of. We also have this next month our first ever in this space, at least, a community meal. You might have seen flyers as you came in on the door and, and maybe in the elevator, but it's a community meal that we're going to host in this space for people that need food, and we all need food. We're going to sit down and eat together. Listen, we, we say it a lot. We're a missional church. We often think about life outside of this Sunday morning expression. We do a lot of good work. But let me tell you that the good work is all for nothing if it's just about doing good work. The good work has a purpose. It has a mission attached to it. We want people to know Jesus. That's it. That's what this is about. We are invited into that. And so we don't just feed people because we want to cure hunger. That's not the goal. The goal is that we feed people so that they know that there's a day coming when they will never hunger again. That's the goal, right? 
We want to create safe places because we want to point to a place where there's completely being prepared for us that is safe by Jesus himself. And so as we understand this this foot washing moment, it is an invitation into good work that leads other people to Jesus. And we can't understand our role correctly if we don't understand what it means to be clean. That's what we get at here in the first part of this moment, this idea of being clean. You see, there is a problem. I don't know if you called it, but I skipped over verse 2. I said verse 1 and verse 3. Skipped over verse 2, though. There's a problem of uncleanliness. Judas is mentioned here in this moment. Jesus, he he washes Judas' feet. It doesn't make him clean, but it's an invitation nonetheless. You know, what's interesting is that it's not the first moment that we see foot washing, though, in John's gospel. We actually have to go back to John chapter 1. We go back to the prologue. In some ways, the, the first chapter of John is just like fleshed out through the rest of the gospel. And John the Baptist, not John the gospel writer, John the Baptist is there in John chapter 1, and he is addressing uncleanliness. He's talking about sin. He's saying that we need to repent. We need to repent for the kingdom of God is near. We need to turn away from sin and turn towards what is coming. That is the Messiah that is coming. And John there in chapter 1, verse 26, he's talking about this Messiah who is coming. And he says about himself, I baptize with water. John answered them. But someone stands among you, but you don't know him. Verse 27, he is the one coming after me, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to untie. Now, John is not in the shoe-selling business. That's not why he is talking about unstrapping a sandal. He's not a cobbler. <laughs> not even a thing anymore, a word we know. <laughs> no. He's talking about taking off a sandal to wash feet. He's not even worthy to do that. John has an understanding of sin that makes him unworthy to even wash the feet of the one who is to come. As Jesus is there with his disciples in the upper room, they are all a bunch of unworthy men. None of them even deserve to be washing Jesus' feet. But catch what happens. Jesus, the one that is worthy, washes theirs. This is shocking to them. They don't understand exactly what's going on as he does so. Peter, he has questions for Jesus. But this is an invitation for them. They can't just start doing good. They can't just start being the church. They can't just jump into the mission. They have to be clean. Because it's about being united with Jesus in his mission. And for that to happen, they have to repent of sin and they have to be clean to be a part of his work and what he is doing. 
So what happens? Verse 4 in John chapter 13. So he got up from supper. He laid aside his outer clothing. He took a towel and he tied it around himself. Verse 5, next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and dry them with the towel around him. This is a picture, this invitation is foreshadowing and a symbolic picture of the cross. This points to the thing that does make one clean from their sin. As Jesus, he takes off the outer garment in the same way he will be stripped of his clothes and exposed on the cross. As Jesus takes this towel and he wraps it around himself, in the same way a thorn of crowns will be wrapped around his head. As he pours out water, in the same way he will pour out his blood. On the cross. This is a symbolic moment that points to the cross, that moment which makes us clean. This is what Jesus is inviting his disciples into. Peter doesn't want anything to do with it, does he? (laughs) Verse 6, he says, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? No, this is not happening. Jesus answered him in verse 7, what I am doing, you don't realize now, but, but afterward you will understand. Verse 8, you will never wash my feet, Peter said. No, Jesus, you will not wash my feet. You cannot do that. We're not worthy to wash your feet, but yet you're washing ours. No, don't do that. And Jesus replied in verse 8, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Of course, Jesus is pointing to the cross. You must be clean in order to be about what I am about, in order to be with me. It's about being clean. We need to be people that are forgiven of our sin and find our faith and our hope in the cross of Christ. That is the gospel message that we lift up. That is the gospel message that we are about. And for us to be a people that want to make a difference in the mission of Christ, that has to be true for you as well. Jesus doesn't want you just doing good work. Jesus doesn't want you just checking off the boxes and, and, and doing all the good things that churches do and outreach and all that kind of stuff and serving people and all that. Jesus wants you to be clean. He wants you to be clean. It's not a, there's, there's not enough good that you can do. You can't clean yourself. Jesus has to be the one to wash you. If I don't wash you, Peter, you have nothing. You have no part of me. Saturday nights are bath nights so far. So we've some rhythm that we've established with our, our newborn daughter, Macy. Um, 
We, we wanted to smell good for church, so Saturday nights make, make sense. <laughs> she only ever really smells like milk to begin with, so I don't, I don't know if that's a, a bad smell. But, you know, I, I enjoy the bath time. We take, like, we give the bath in the sink. Um, I didn't know this until I had a baby, but they have, like, little things you put in the sink, right, that she can recline in um, and uh, have, like, a little pitcher of water that's a, essentially, it's like a whale, and you fill up the whale with, with water and you pour it over and... And, uh, you know, you can have some soap suds going. It's funny, like, she, she loves bath time. I, we're so thankful for it. Um, she enjoys bath time. She can be straight crying, and we put her in the bath, and it's like she's just in the spa all of a sudden. She's at peace. And, and I sing bath time songs to her that I, I make up on the spot. I don't know many bath time songs. <laughs> I'm not going to do it for you now. But anyways... Um, but yeah, she loves it. She loves that moment of just be, being, being clean. It's not rocket science, but she can't clean herself. <laughs> she can't. <laughs> we, we, we do that, right? She only gets clean if we do that. There's nothing that you can do to clean yourself. There is sin. All of us have sinned and fallen short of who God wants us to be, we've fallen short of God's glory. There's nothing that you and I can do about it, but we are not hopeless because hope came and died on a cross so that we may be clean. And in doing so, we get invited into the greatest story of all, what Jesus has done for his people. We get to go and we get to make a difference in the lives of others because he's made a difference in our lives. He cleans us, making us worthy, so we can be a sense people. I want you to, to see this. Um, I think this is beautiful. John tells us about a moment that Jesus has with Peter. And this is basically one of the last moments that Jesus has with Peter. It's in chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. If you know anything about Peter's life, after this moment of of having his feet washed, he then, in just a few hours later, denies Jesus, denies knowing him, messes up, screws up royally, right? Not once, but actually three times. And here in this moment, in chapter 21, you see the resurrected Jesus with Peter, and he restores him. And I want you to to see what he says to him. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Verse verse 15 again, yes, Lord, he said to him, You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told them. Verse 16, a second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Well, shepherd my sheep, he told him. And then verse 17, he asked him the third time. It's not just by happenstance that he asked him three times. There's a connection to be made to his denial of Jesus three times. Peter gets it, 
John lets us know because Peter was grieved in this moment. You asked me three times because I get it. I denied you the same. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. It's a sweet moment that we see Jesus, him him restoring Peter into ministry. And Peter's going to play a pivotal role in the season of the church, in the mission of Christ that that is carried out. This is a huge moment for Peter to be restored in mission. But that's the secondary thing that's going on here. Jesus is restoring Peter to himself. The three questions are important, and they all ask the same thing. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And when he gets restored to Jesus, what we see then is that mission, sentness, is a way then to respond and to show, (laughs) to show, to declare, to give our love to Jesus. I think this is so important for us as we think about what we are called to do, called to go and to tell people about Jesus, to make disciples. We don't always see the results, do we? I mean, I think about all the things that we've done, like all the things that we will continue to do. Do we always see the results? I think about when I was making bacon and eggs for 12 hours under the Brooklyn Bridge. I never like saw them get delivered to a rescue worker, right, that was going into ground zero. There was trust that that's what we're making them for. I didn't get to see the results, right? We see the motivation here, though. Is it always about results? The motivation for going out and to serve and to be a part of Jesus and his mission, telling others about him, is because we love him. That's the primary motivation for mission. That's it. Because we love him. Simon, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. You've been called to be a leader in the mission of Jesus. Our first step is to be cleaned by him, to make sure that we have a right relationship with him. And the way that we then live out a right relationship with him is to tell others about what he has done for us. We're going to talk a lot more about that over this series, about what it means to to live in this framework of, of Jesus and his mission and to see the example that he sets for us. And I want to invite you to be back next week as we unpack this foot washing moment even more, and we understand the power dynamics that are happening there as the king of kings takes on a role of a servant. I want to invite the band to come, and they're going to, they're going to play. And uh, as they do, I just want to take a, a moment to ask some questions. And so you can, just, you, can, you can bow your head, you can close your eyes, or whatever makes sense for you. But I want to give you a moment just to process, to listen to the Holy Spirit and what he might be saying in this moment to you. 
There truly is a moment within this upper room where a decision needs to be made. Peter gets it. <laughs> he says, watch, watch me then. I want to be a part of you. Watch, watch every part, like head to toe. I want to be a part of you. On the other hand, Judas does not get it, does he? We understand that Jesus does wash the feet of Judas, but then Judas leaves from this place and goes on to betray Jesus, and he is killed. Jesus is killed because Judas betrays him. There's a decision to be made in in this upper room moment as Jesus, he washes feet. It's a holy invitation to the cross. So really the first place for us to start this morning. I just want to ask the question, are you clean? Have your sins been forgiven? Have your sins been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ? That's where you just need to start, right? That's where we all need to start. We can't do any amount of good to clean ourselves. Take a moment. What does it mean for you to be clean? Are you clean? Are you trying on your own? Are you letting Jesus wash you? Second question. are you showing your love for Jesus by feeding sheep? What does that look like? How are you serving? How are you you serving others? How are you loving others? How are you telling others about who Jesus is? I think for some of us, uh, we we need to think through, like, what's the next step for, for you? Maybe for you, the next step for you is to, is to move past just a Sunday morning experience with us. We have discipleship that happens right here on Wednesday nights. Come, be a part of that. Maybe that's your next step in learning how to live out the mission of Jesus and, and, and to love Him for what He has done. Or maybe you need to get involved with some of our outreach things that we do. We have a community meal coming up in a few weeks. We'd love to have you serve in that. But how are you living out the mission of Jesus, showing him that you love him? He's invited you to be a part of it. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you that on the cross, you paid the penalty for sin. We thank you for the atonements that our sin has been washed through the blood of Christ. We thank you that you willingly went to the cross. It wasn't by mistake. This was the plan. This was the mission. We thank you that we were included in your mission. Father, may we love you by doing the same for others. Pray this 